Well, so again, this is Buck Benny speaking, my friend Bob. We're covering the next episode of In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy. And this episode is covering psychic detectives. And it's interesting. They talk about this in 1977 in that there becomes multiple television shows about psychic de detectives. The Mentalist and Psych are the two that stand out. Um, psych being a kind of comedy and the mentalist being a little more serious take on it, but still comical in some aspects. Um, wh what did you think about this episode with psychic detectives? And what do you think about psych the concept of psychic detectives? Do you think they actually are helpful to police and so forth? Or what do you think, Bob? I enjoyed it. I think, and having talked to police officers, a lot of them don't write them off. But they also say they're not particularly consistent. Like sometimes they're on. And either way, they got to follow up the leads, which I think some of them that I've talked to find that kind of annoying because a lot of times they're just dead ends. Right. Um, I think when they hit, they seem to, for some reason, hit really well. Mm -hmm. You also get, I don't know, there's a, um, on the disappearance of, Maura Murray, they had a psychic right at the end, the last episode, and she supposedly doesn't know anything about the case, which I'm skeptical, and she she nails at least the pre-disappearance, like, storyline. Right. She she supposedly realized that Maura's mom had died, but after that, she doesn't really provide any great information other than her body's near a bridge mm -hmm. that locals go to, and they never find that bridge so i don't yeah i thought the episode was, was interesting mm -hmm. and, and sometimes there are people do stuff that's just dead on like one lady that wasn't even a psychic had some premonitions some lady that was over an embankment mm -hmm. just that was her only like psychic episode and somehow she found her wow she's still alive I, I don't know it's uh it's interesting i also think For there sure. are I mean, if they didn't, if there wasn't some value in them, they wouldn't keep using them over and over again, right? Um, but I always wonder too. There's like, I don't, know, I don't know what to call any of this. Uh, like almost like a placebo effect of if you, you if your your uh, team of investigators are kind of exhausted all their leads the case is kind of getting cold and everything. And then you bring in a psychic, they might bring in psychic information that is helpful, or even if they don't, they bring in some things that activates the team and actively searching again or looking into things again. So how much of that causes them to find something that they, that they overlooked before or something that might not have anything to do with the psychic, but because the psychic got involved, it got the, the team energized or whatever and helped solve the, the crime that way. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I, you know, it, I think it's probably a little bit of that, but it's probably also where some folks actually gave them good information. I mean, some of it's pretty amazing when you find out what it all connects to. On the other hand, if I'm going in and pretending to be a psychic or whatever, and I say, 
well, I, th- I, I feel like the body's near water somewhere. Well, how many times do they find bodies in the water? It, it, a lot or near a stream or whatever. Or if I see, I go, I think the body's in the wilderness. Well, yeah, bodies are often buried in the wilderness to try and hide them. I mean, that's one of the standard places. So, you know, I don't know, but but they certainly seem to be able to go into more depth than that and actually see, you know, colors that are around there. They they talk about, you know, I, I see water and I see the color red or something. And then they find there's a red water tower right next door, right, you know, 50 feet away right. from where the person died, is their body is or something. So, I mean, sometimes it's just amazing. But I, I think in this episode, the one, I mean, I don't know, how better the story was that one detective agent, she had a detective agent, she said like there were airport, there was the horses, there was the water all supposedly tied in. Right. When they when they found the body. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, you, you get that side of it. You also get people just kind of prey on people that have missing people. Right. I think I remember Emma or Shelly Philbop saying that yeah, they always tell you that, you know, your loved one's alive so they can get more money out of you. I think right. she probably doesn't have a really good, and also their impressions are kind of vague. They don't like go to Google Maps and give you a, right. here she's at, um, yeah. latitude, latitude. Longitude, latitude. <laughs> Feeling this like, very strongly. It's like, yeah, words. you wish. <laughs> Somebody, some psychic specialized in longitude latitude readings. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but uh, but I think what's neat about this episode too is it ties into what Bob's doing on his podcast, which is the whole missing persons thing. And uh, he's as he's talked to people that are actually involved in going through this, they have talked about different ones of them using psychics and things. Um, how, of the you've done what four cases now. Five that you're working on? We're on five now. Okay. Out of the five, off the top of your head, how many of them actually some way tried to use psychics or anything? Is it most of them or is it half of them or what? Uh, Like, let's see. So Emma's mom did. Um, Ryan didn't. The one one on... um, I'm just losing my thought. Oh yeah, so episode four, yeah, they use psychics. In fact, that was a det- I talked to that detective and he was talking about it. And their family actually uses psychic also. I don't know about we're working on one, another Native American named right. Heavy Runner. I don't know if her sister did. I would assume she probably did. So somewhere um, in the neighborhood of half. Yeah. Actually uh, tried yeah. to use psychics. So that well, and then the question too that comes to my mind is again, like we're so often have when we talk about these things. In this case, it's slightly different because a lot of times we'll find in our radio old time radio shows they're talking about the subject, and we go, "Oh wow, I didn't know they were doing it then. I thought they were doing this in the '70s." Well, in this case, it's one of these things where they they're talking about the psychic detectives episode in the '70s. And I would guess that they didn't really use psychics that much until the 80s or something. But do you know how early they were using psychic detectives? Was it back in the 50s and 60s or was it a thing in the 70s or, you know? Yeah, I, don't, I was actually surprised that it was 
like the last week's episode that they were talking about that much in the 70s. So I was even surprised at that. I haven't really looked. Exactly. When they started yeah. doing it. Well, I know they were doing it. We had, where Bob and I live uh, in Washington State, uh, we had the, the Green River Killer. And when they were doing the Green River Killer, that was back when we were in a high school. So it was 1980s. So it was, it was like 80 to 83 or 84 was when that was in the top, you know, where it was getting mentioned all the time and they were finding more bodies and things. And I, and I, I know at that point they were using psychics and all sorts of things were going on there. So that would have been just three or four years after this episode in 1977. So I guess it makes sense. I just, it never really entered my brain or the conscious thing until the Green River Killer in the 80s. And so I just kind of figured that's when psychics kind of appeared was the 1980s. But apparently it was before that in at least 77 and who knows how much before that. So um, yeah, interesting show to watch. And uh, yet again, interesting subject matter. Um, did I share with us before? I think I shared in the last one about seeing an interview with Leonard Nimoy where he talked about In Search Of, and he was like, he was like, how did we do 177 episodes when I can count the subjects we can cover on like two hands? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. But, you know, even with this ESP, we've had an episode on learning about ESP with the little kids on it. We've had an episode about animal ESP. Now there's this episode about uh, detective psychic. So there's a lot of ground they can push on these things and, and do sub episodes on a piece of this. I mean, theoretically, they could have done an episode that would have covered all three of these things, right? Uh, detective psychics, animals, and just learning how to do ESP. But that's hard to fit into 20 minutes. I mean, essentially, these shows are about 25 minutes long once you take the commercials out. So, yeah, it's not like you're going on for two hours on a subject. So they, yeah, they, they can get a lot of episodes out. And I'm enjoying these a lot. And they're a lot more diverse than I expected them to be. I expected every other week to be Bigfoot or Loch Ness Monster when they're doing all these ESP things. They're they're doing earthquake specials and just lots bees. of the, the killer bees. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I really enjoyed. We, it. I don't think we've seen a UFO episode yet. Uh, a, other than the ancient astronauts, the ancient astronauts seen. thing or whatever. Yeah, but that's about it. Yeah. No, we got probably got one coming up soon. I would think we have uh, uh, definitely one on Atlantis. So that'll probably be our next episode because we I skipped that one to get to this one. Um, but then I don't know where it goes from there. We'll just have to see. Go episode by episode. But we're presenting them essentially kind of in order. I kind of jump around if I have a subject matter like the SP ones. I kind of we kind of jumped around on those a little bit. But uh, but yeah, an interesting series. And Leonard Nimoy does such a great job of of it. And uh, um, I just have fun doing it every week with Bob and stuff. So. Anyway, uh, unless there's more to cover on this one, Bob, we'll let them get on to the episode. Is that all right? Yep. Okay. Listen, Jim say, I, I always look for where it's not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It's not in the woods, because I have no yeah. psychic abilities that I know of. Yes, of course. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's why I think you should work with the police, and you can tell them. <laughs> it, 
I think it's by some train tracks. Okay, guys, do not search by any train tracks whatsoever. <laughs> Stay away from the train. It's definitely not there. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I hope you all enjoy this episode. We'll see you next time. And uh, kind of interesting learning about psychic detectives from the perspective of 1977. So uh, enjoy. He touches an object belonging to a victim of a crime. He claims that suddenly he is transported beyond time and space. A crime is reenacted before his eyes. He says he's reliving a moment in the past, in a place he's never seen before, with people he does not know. It has been a trance. But when it ends, psychic Peter Herko seems to have hard information. The name of the killer, the manner in which the victim died, and the time of death. One, two, three. Uh, there were uh, actually and, uh, three people involved. Three people. He calls himself a psychic detective. ESP be used to fight crime and locate missing persons? In Search Of explores the potential of the psychic detective. This series presents information based in part on theory and conjecture. The producer's purpose is to suggest some possible explanations, but not necessarily the only ones, to the mysteries we will examine. Chief Detective Robert Lowry has been with the Florissant Police Department in St. Louis for 23 years. For Lowry and detectives like him, the routine of casework follows the long-established techniques of following leads, gathering evidence, and questioning witnesses. Two years ago, Bob Lowry broke with tradition in his effort to solve a kidnap case. The manager of a local store was reported missing, and after three weeks of investigation, Lowry could find no reason for his disappearance and no clues to his whereabouts. He was persuaded to try a new and strikingly unconventional investigative tool. We conducted a very extensive investigation. We exhausted all these, and it was brought to my attention by a member of the television news media that we could possibly call on a psychic. My reaction to it at first, of course, is that I'm a police officer and police officers deal with fact and I wasn't uh, too receptive to this idea, but I agreed to it after the family members indicated their desire. The results were remarkable. The psychic accurately pinpointed the location of the victim and led the police to the site. This information, relayed by psychic means, enabled the police to solve the case.
Extrasensory perception is the power of the mind to reach across time and space in a way that seems impossible. To know a thought when it has not been spoken. To see an event that has happened in a distant place. Scientists acknowledge that it exists, but don't understand how it works. Some believe it can be harnessed for practical use. And one way may be in the fight against crime. There are psychic detectives all over the country. The most well-known is Peter Herkos, based in Los Angeles. Herkos first visits the scene of a crime to get what he calls psychic impressions. He handles personal possessions in an attempt to identify with the victim. Pictures of the crime take shape in his mind. To date, he has worked on over 800 criminal cases. In Chicago, psychic Irene Hughes has received commendations from police for her efforts in helping them solve no less than 15 murder cases. In St. Louis, Bevy Yeagers is earning a reputation as a psychic detective. Okay, we're going to be working on, on the Franzak case again tonight, and there are a couple of you here who haven't really done too much on this. I'm going to try to fill you in just a little bit. We have gotten into this case uh, May the 25th, I think is the day that we were called in on it, and we were working on Bevy it. is a housewife and mother of six. Her attitude about ESP is unique in that she believes everybody has the potential for it. The astrology department seems to feel that uh, there was a plot involving... Six years ago, she founded a psychic rescue squad for the purpose of locating missing persons. Members of the squad hold down normal nine-to-five jobs and meet in the evenings for casework. They have proved themselves so effective that they have qualified as licensed private detectives. A private detective agency is in itself kind of uh, mysterious to the public, I suppose, and a private detective agency composed of psychics would be doubly so or more. We've had quite a job to do, as a matter of fact, in, in getting uh, people to understand that we're not a bunch of mysterious kooks running around in robes calling down forces from the planet Mars to solve cases. At this particular time, there are about 18 of us in the metropolitan St. Louis area, and there are approximately 25 more around the country who have been trained by me. Each member of the squad brings his own specialty to the art of solving crime. People like Phyllis Degendorf, a graduate student of nearby George Washington University. She claims that by meditating, she can relive the moment of the crime. I tune in very quickly to pain. I start getting feelings whenever I'm holding an object. Then it will develop into mental pictures. I still don't pick up death. Uh, Lillian, does the chart say death to you? It says death. I just don't. Betty, did they ever find out uh, what cult or what semi-religious Indian group was associated with this case. Judith Krauss uses a technique called psychometry. Okay, I started it, so it's your turn. A housewife and mother, she claims that by holding an object belonging to the victim, she can identify with his experience. I learned to note down all my feelings that I get 
when I am holding something that belonged to a victim, because a lot of times those will be a clue. Judith and her husband Bob have been members of the squad for two years. Uh, this kind of thing, the National Star is looking into that, they're going to let us know, yes. Bob Krause feels his unique skill is the ability to pinpoint the location of a crime. Bob is a music teacher at a local high school. He says that he has learned how to overcome the barriers of time and space and actually project himself to the scene of a crime. I feel, if any, that my forte would be in visualizing an area where something might have taken place. She would like to start with the map. Jim Mueller, how about you? Okay, that's uh, the Acapulco area. Jim Mueller was the first to join Bevy Yeager. His special aptitude is locating kidnap victims. During the day, Jim is a social worker for the city of St. Louis. A psychic will sometimes, in addition to having mental impressions, may have body feelings of, of pain or distress that could reflect symptoms of the injured person. Is anyone aware yet of any particular wounds or abrasions or anything on the body or where they're located? Almost any police force will tell you when they can't come up with the answer, they don't mind where the answer comes from. And if it comes from us, fine. We are at least a licensed, reputable group of people. We're not just, you know, some odd kook out on the street. Trying to pick up purely from the picture of the woman herself. Eighteen specialists. Each uses a unique psychic skill to unravel a crime. At present, the squad is concentrating on the case of a travel agent who disappeared while vacationing in Mexico. And then they, they told us that they thought they had... Bevy envisions that in the near future, psychics will work with law enforcement on a broad and practical scale. Her dream may not be so far-fetched. In only a few short years, Bevy herself has emerged from obscurity to become a detective with a solid reputation. It all began in 1971. Bevy's work in crime detection was triggered by the baffling case of a missing housewife. I think we ought to get down there if we can. Well, let's go. Fine. Let's go. Bevy would take up the search with her psychic sensitivity. In 1971, the St. Louis police were baffled by the case of a missing woman named Sally Lucas. Known by her friends as a loving wife and devoted mother, she vanished from her comfortable suburban home without a trace. Every year, close to 80,000 people disappear, seemingly without motive. Sally Lucas was a classic example. Mrs. Lucas had last been seen leaving the town and country shopping center with an armful of packages. Detectives spent frustrating hours piecing together her last day. They suspected foul play. Police had scoured St. Louis but could find no clues to her whereabouts. 
Three weeks from the day that Sally Lucas disappeared, Bevy Yeager has contacted the St. Louis Globe Democrat, one of the city's leading newspapers. She had a hunch. Bill Fustel, the city editor, remembers her call well. So, uh, the police were at a dead end. Uh, there have been no evidence turned up. I'm not sure psychics are always accurate, but I do think that there is some something to this. She uh, touched some garments and a powder puff of the missing woman. And she said at that time that she described the woman whom she did not know, previously know. She described her fairly accurately, short hair, short of stature, didn't smoke much. And she said she got a, uh, a picture of some policemen bending over the car near a large body of water. The next day, her car was, Mrs. Lucas' car was found on the Gulf of Mexico. I called uh, Lieutenant Kariakis. And I said, I want to do something unusual, if we can do it. And he said, what? And I said, I want to bring the psychic out and let her sit in this car and see what kind of impressions she obtains. Lieutenant Kiriakis has been with the St. Louis police for 18 years. The veteran detective was taken aback that Fustel wanted to bring a psychic into the case. Well, my real feeling was that he's got to be kidding or he's putting me on just a little bit. Uh, I really... Uh, didn't think he was honestly serious at the time, but he was. But Mrs. Yeager asked if she could sit in the car. I kind of sat back and I thought, boy, this is really going to be something. I'll be surprised if anything comes out of this. Psychics claim to be able to receive vivid impressions through the sense of touch. Sitting behind the wheel of the Lucas car, as Bevy demonstrated for us, a whole series of visual images flooded through her mind. She appeared to be lost in a deep trance. She sat in the car with a pad and a pen uh, for about 10 minutes. And she wrote down many things on that, on that paper. And at one point, about six minutes into the time she was in the car, she, uh, she got a terrible look of agony on her face, of pain. She began to sweat very heavily. The car gave off strong psychic vibrations. At first, the disconnected pictures that Bevy said flashed through her mind made no sense at all. My notes were full of, of letter C's and things like that. Horses' heads. There was also a small bridge, not a large bridge. And uh, there were some pillar-type mailboxes, the kind you find out in the country. I was leaning forward to either put the key in the lock or pull it out of. And as I did that, I was struck a very, very severe blow on the right side of the head. When I, I was out of the car, they handed me her car keys. And at that time, it broke me up completely. I couldn't go on with it at all because I then realized from holding her keys that she had not been dead when she was taken out of the car and flung into the ditch. She was still alive. I think one of her first comments was that she felt an intense pain to the right side of her head. And uh, then the other impression was uh, water and a bridge and an airport. And then one of the last impressions was that of a horse or something to do with a horse. The clarity of Bevy's vision compelled her to personally take up the search. 
she reasoned that the best place to begin was the locale that most closely matched her psychic impressions. Bevy began to search the 10 square mile area of Babbler State Park, just northwest of St. Louis. She was accompanied by her husband Ray and psychic student Jim Mueller. At first, the idea of penetrating such a vast and wild tract of land seemed hopeless. Hey, Ray. Hey, Jim, come here a minute. I feel some kind of pull out in that direction. Not right here, but like way over, what, down there. Can we get there from here? Yes, yes, roundabout, but we can get there. Well, okay. Well, I think that's okay, right. Let's, let's go. Yeah, let's go. An inexplicable force inside Bevy's body seemed to pull her in a definite direction. She had no idea what she would discover in the thick underbrush of Babbler State Park. As Bevy, Ray, and Jim followed the psychic trail, they began to notice significant clues that corroborated the mental images Bevy had received in Sally Lucas' car. A small airport called the Spirit of St. Louis was less than two miles away. The Babbler riding stables. Then the road sign, Wild Horse Creek, intersecting Highway C. Could this have been the sea that kept appearing in Bevy's notes? A row of pillar mailboxes confirmed that she was heading in the right direction. And then, the final clue. One that came chillingly close to her psychic vision. Now there's a bridge up ahead. Maybe that's the place we ought to stop. But the creek looks like it's crossing the road. Just pull on past the bridge. Maybe, maybe we ought to look this place over here. My notes were full of, of letter C's and things like that, horses' heads. There was also a small bridge, and there were some pillar-type mailboxes, the kind you find out in the country. So finally, we stopped the car and we got out, and we decided that this area looked so right, we might as well just look a little closer. The terrain just looked right, it felt right. We started to tramp around a little bit. I can't explain that exactly, but there was a feeling in, in the body somewhere that there, there was something, and it, it was not far. It, it was almost as if my body was a, uh, a magnetic needle, and it was seeking, it was honing in on a certain direction.
date was September 4th, 1971. They searched until the light became too dim to see any longer. Bevy was sure she was within a hair's breadth of finding the body and planned to return to the site the next morning. But the following day, a torrential rainstorm hit St. Louis and prevented Bevy from continuing her search. Two days later, Mrs. Lucas' body was washed out of a gully in Wild Horse Creek. The body was less than 150 feet from where Bevy Yeagers had been searching. Well, it was all about a day or two after we had found the body and had processed the scene and everything like that. And it came to me right then. I said, my God, everything she told us on that day in the car before we found Mrs. Lucas came true. The horse, which was Wild Horse Creek Road, the airport, which was close by, the water, and the bridge. And also, on the right side of her head, the skull was crushed. And these were not things she could have known anyway. I have no way of accounting for it in any fate, anyway. Uh, it was just a total mystery to me how she could be that accurate. What inexplicable force was it that compelled Bevy to search the ravines of Wild Horse Creek? Sandy uh, Franzak is an American girl from our city who was with a group of travel agents going down to Acapulco. It's right Bevy and the Psychic Rescue Squad are continuing their casework on a national level. They feel they are moving closer to solving the case of the missing travel agent. Uh, yes, uh, in their search of the beach that they feel is Sandy's, but it hasn't been 100% identified by her roommate as having been what she had on when she left. It is not inconceivable that the role of the psychic detective could have major consequences for law enforcement in the United States. If the technique of using ESP to pinpoint crime and ferret out criminals can be developed on a broad and practical scale, it may become a deterrent to anyone contemplating a criminal act. This, it seems, may not be beyond the power of the mind.